has for us in this service this morning. You know, if I were to just, you know, take a poll and ask everybody in this room, if I were just to ask you guys, what, what comes to your mind when you think of Christmas, right? We would, we would probably get quite a few different answers, right? We've got, there, there's a lot of different things that we associate with Christmas typically. For some of us, you know, we really enjoy the Christmas music, right? We enjoy, we enjoy the Christmas songs. That's what we think of when we think of Christmas. And of course, there are Grinches and Scrooges out there who do not appreciate Christmas music. We're, they, we're, this is no secret. We understand. <laughs> that's right. We understand there are people like that that can't have a good appreciation for that. But, but for others, right, it, you, uh, you, you enjoy giving gifts, right? When you, that's really what you associate with Christmas. And then there are others who, well, you really enjoy receiving gifts. And that, that's what, that, that may be what, what you think about when you think, of, when you think of Christmas. And then there are others that, man, you get into the decorating, don't you? I mean, you guys, you guys do the thing. It's, you know, you guys got the, the snowman in the front yard tall enough to window peep into your second story window <laughs> and see what's going on, right? There's lights all over the inside, lights all over the outside, the power bill quadruples in December, you know, the whole, all the, all the things, the gingerbread houses, and, you know, your Christmas tree is set up right in that front window. So every time everybody drives by, you know, they can see the Christmas tree perfectly positioned in the window. And that's what they think about when they think about what, what Christmas is. And, and then there are others that really get into the family tradition stuff. Do you guys have some family traditions? I, we, we, our family tradition was, you know, we, Christmas Eve, we would, we would all get to open one present. And so we always really looked forward to that. That was exciting. And then we'd sit down and watch Home Alone. That was that, that, was, that was the thing. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a, a, a brick to a criminal's head, you know. And so we, we, would, we would sit down and, and enjoy that. And, you know, it just wouldn't feel quite like Christmas without that, really. And so I've, I passed that down to my children, and that's what we still do that at our house. We'll do that tonight. And, and of course, others have their own traditions that they have, and and, and that's what they think about when they think about Christmas. And, and, and hopefully there are some of us that, you know, when they think about Christmas, hopefully there are some of us that associate Christmas with the celebration of the birth of Christ. I hope, I hope that factors in, of course, somewhere. But, but I can almost guarantee you, though, that what I'm going to share with you in this Christmas Eve service is something that comes to almost no one's mind when they think about Christmas. <laughs> and it's Satan's attack. On Christmas and I get it man it's Christmas for goodness sakes right we want to think about the heartwarming things we want to think about the nostalgic things and and you start mixing Satan and Christmas and man it just really ruins the whole vibe really quick you know and it, but but listen if you really want to have a true appreciation for what was actually happening that first Christmas then you really need to understand Satan's attack on Christmas all through the years leading up to that first Christmas. Because you see, Satan knew 
what Jesus was going to do with his life, and so Satan actually tried to prevent his birth. So Satan, he has been extremely active all through the years in an effort to prevent that very first Christmas from actually ever even happening. You see, clear back in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible prophesied about the birth of Jesus Christ. Have you ever realized that we can't get past the third chapter of the Bible and there's already a prophecy about Christ's birth around 1,500 years before it happened? Listen, in Genesis 3.15, Satan, the, the serpent, has deceived Eve into eating the fruit that God had forbidden them to eat, right? You're familiar with the story. Of course, Adam then ate as well, and sin entered into the world, and it has plunged us into the mess that we're currently in. And God is laying out some punishments in this passage for this, for this sin that has entered in the world. And in, in the midst of laying out these punishments, what we find is, is that God also includes for us some prophecy. He slips a little prophecy in the midst of that as well. And, and here's the prophecy in Genesis 3.15. It says, and, and I will put enmity between thee, that's the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now check this out, this word enmity, it, it has to do with, with being enemies, right? The beginning of the verse says there's going to be enmity between the serpent and the woman. And I don't know too many women that like snakes, so I believe that most women in here will attest to the fact that that part for sure came true. But check out the next part. It, it says there will also be enmity between the seed of the serpent or Satan's seed and the seed of the woman. Now, I want you to consider something for, with me for, for just a second. Does a woman have a seed? No, of course not. God is trying to get our attention right from the get-go. And what we find is, is all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, there's a prophecy about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ because a woman doesn't have a seed. Jesus is the seed of the woman because there was no seed that came from an earthly father that caused his conception and birth. And without getting into all the particulars of what's going on in this verse, this verse is clearly pointing us towards the fact that there is enmity between God and Satan, where God and Satan are enemies. And check this out. From this moment forward, Satan is coming for the seed of the woman. And as crazy as it sounds, Satan has unleashed different attacks that spanned over thousands of years, attempting to stop the first Christmas from ever even happening. All through the centuries, Satan has relentlessly attempted to come after that seed that was to be born, Jesus Christ. All through the centuries, he's come to try to keep that first Christmas from ever even happening. It wasn't as if Satan just all of a sudden began to get Jesus on his radar and became concerned about what Jesus was going to accomplish after his birth and then begin attacking him. No, no, Satan was trying to keep Jesus from ever being born in the very first place. Do you remember the story of Moses? 
You remember why it was that baby Moses was put in a basket in the river? It was because of the decree from the king of Egypt in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 16, when he said in Exodus 1, 16, when he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Now, so the midwives to the Hebrew women, they were to kill all the male Hebrew babies. Now, why would that be? (laughs) Sure, the Egyptians were fearful that they were going to be outnumbered by the Hebrews and the Israelites. That was part of it. But do you know what else was happening? Satan was coming for the seed. Satan was already coming for the seed of the one that would be born of a virgin and come from the lineage of that same people group to be the savior of the world. And that's not the only time. In the Gospel of Luke, we find what's what's likely the most well-known account of the Christmas story. Jeff just just read it, and we're going to read the first five verses of chapter 2 again because there are some things I'd like for you to consider about what's going on in this passage. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Okay, I I want us to take a second to just process, and I know that's the Christmas story that we've read a million times, but let's just process exactly what all is happening, because there's some pretty crazy things going on here. Can you imagine, first of all, just how crazy this decree would have been? the whole world heading to their hometown to be taxed. That's pretty wild. And if that's not crazy enough, try to imagine your travels being at the mercy of weather in a world without cars. And instead of walking, instead of, and instead you're walking and and riding on animals like donkeys and mules to get where you need to go. Now consider the fact that this trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have been around 100 miles. And then if that's not all crazy enough, try doing it when the end of verse 5 says, try doing it when you're great with child. Imagine that. We've had a lot of babies born in this church in the last year. And we've had a lot of a lot of ladies get to experience this year what being great with child is all about. Some multiple times, of course. But do you realize all the complications that a trip like that could cause for a mother that is great with child, not to mention complications for the child? And I get it, this whole scenario, it had to happen for prophecy to be fulfilled. But do you realize there are many times in the Bible where God is working out his purposes while simultaneously Satan is attempting to work out his purposes through the exact same set of circumstances? So while Jesus needed to be born in Bethlehem, according to the prophecy in Micah 5.2, 
Satan's trying to cause a miscarriage or cause Jesus to be born early and born prior to them arriving in Bethlehem so that the scriptures wouldn't be fulfilled. Satan was coming for the seed. And if you say, I can't go with that one, okay, that's fine. You got to go with me on the next one. Do you remember King Herod? In Matthew 2, King Herod, he's talking to the wise men that Corey was just talking about. He's, he's very interested as to where Jesus is going to be born. And so the wise men tell Herod, you know, it's going to be in Bethlehem because that's what was prophesied in the scriptures. And so Herod told the wise men, hey, well, you know what, why don't you guys go out there and, and you guys find him. And when you do, come back and tell me where he is because, you know, I want to worship him too. And the wise men didn't do that because they were warned of God in a, in a, in a dream not to do that. And in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, God even appears to Joseph in a dream around that same time. And at the end of verse 13, he says, Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So God tells Joseph, take Mary and Jesus and get out of there and head to Egypt. And look at verse 15. That happened because God was at work to fulfill prophecy. Do you see that? That's what was going on. But again, simultaneously, God and Satan were at work to accomplish two different things from the same event. Satan was at work to kill Jesus and to attack the seed. God was at work to fulfill prophecy through the exact same event. Just like when Mary and Joseph had to take Jesus to Bethlehem to be taxed. It's God and Satan using the same event, trying to accomplish two totally different goals. And then look at the lengths Herod went to in verse 16 to attempt to accomplish his goal of killing Jesus as a child. Check this out. In verse 16 it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. He figured out about how old Jesus was going to be and he killed every child two years old and under. Listen, Satan was coming for the seed of the woman and he was coming for it all throughout the Bible prior to and even after the birth of Christ, the birth of the seed. Listen, it's some crazy stuff when we sit back and look at all the ways that Satan has been making moves through the year to come, throughout the years to come for the seed of the woman. And we're not even going to cover all the ways that Satan has tried to come after the seed this morning. But I do want you to see at least one more instance. Just when you think it couldn't get any more crazy or any more wild, have you ever noticed what Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4 says? It says, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now listen, there's a lot going on in this verse. There's a lot going on in the surrounding verses that have a whole lot to do with the, the tribulation period, which is yet future. But we also get some insight here into what was going on in the spiritual realm on that first Christmas. 
the dragon, which is Satan, was standing there waiting to devour Jesus as soon as he was born. Why don't you put that on your Christmas card next year and get a picture of that? That's what was going on in the spiritual realm in that moment. But listen, what we've been seeing, these are some of the moves that Satan has been making. And he's been making all throughout the ages in an effort to stop the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ. That's how much enmity there is between God and Satan. And I said this last week, but it bears repeating. If we were to sum up what all of history is, is really all about and make sense of what in the world is really going on, in the world through all of these events, we could sum it up by saying that what it really is is God making moves to establish his kingdom and Satan countering and counterfeiting it all throughout the years. So when God says there's a seed of a woman that's going to be born, Satan's first move is to keep the birth from ever happening. For him to do anything less would be a shock. It's important that we know that, and and it's important that we see how Satan was working to come against that first Christmas and his attempt to stop Jesus from being born or kill him right after, because once we know that, listen, once we know that, the moves Satan has continued to make from there are going to make a lot more sense. You understand that? Because you realize that in a variety of ways, Satan is still attacking the seed. Because you see, Satan can't undo what's already happened, can he? There's nothing he can do about it. The damage is done. Jesus has already been born on this earth. It happened. The seed was born and his purposes for coming, they were all fulfilled. And certainly a key purpose of Jesus' first coming was that he gave everyone that would ever live access to salvation, to new life, to eternal life, a new birth. And Satan couldn't stop the seed of that woman from being born or or to accomplish his purposes. But since Satan couldn't stop the seed of the woman, you know one of the ways that he continues to attack? He attacks Jesus' spiritual seed. That's what he does. He's still attacking the seed. You realize that if you've been saved this morning, you're a part of Jesus' spiritual seed? You're part of his family now. Galatians 3.29 puts it like this. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's what you are. A few verses earlier in Galatians 3.26 it says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We're God's children now by faith. Through Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For those of us that are saved, that's what happened at the moment of salvation. We became sons and daughters of God. We became part of God's family. We became part of the spiritual seed. 1 John 3.10, it even shows us that, that we were either all a, we're either all a child of God or we're a child of the devil. It's one of the two, and we were all a child of the devil at one point in our lives, and we were all in his family. And by God's grace, the day that we called on the name of Jesus, 
to be saved. Jesus, he, he snatched us out of that family, didn't he? And, he? and he brought us into his family, and we were born again that day. And listen, there's nothing Satan can do now about that fact. There's nothing he can do, but that doesn't mean he doesn't attack us just because he can't undo what's already happened. We are part of the seed now, and Satan's still coming for the seed. And so here's what Satan does since he couldn't stop our birth. He tries to stop our purposes for the birth, God's purposes for the birth. He did the same thing with Jesus. So, so for those of us that are saved, now that we're saved, Satan is working. He can't stop that, but he's working to stop us from living in the fullness of of the eternal purposes for what God intends for our lives to be now that we're saved. And what God intends is for every person that has put their faith in Jesus Christ to glorify him and to bear fruit. That's what, that's what he intends from our lives. Now we can even say it's to glorify God by bearing fruit. John chapter 15 and verse 8, Jesus says it like this. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. That's what this thing of salvation and glorifying God and being a disciple of Jesus Christ is all about. It's about bearing fruit. It's about reproducing fruit. A few verses earlier in the same chapter, Jesus explains how it is that fruit bearing is accomplished. In John 15, 4, this is, this is how this is accomplished. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Listen, we can't bear fruit by ourselves on our own jesus is the vine we're the branches and we abide in him and he abides in us and when that happens as a result we will bring forth much fruit and listen what jesus just described here is intimacy isn't it we're abiding in him and he and he is abiding in us fruit is born out of intimacy See, fruit bearing in the spiritual world is, is just like bearing fruit in the physical world, right? Just like physical children or, or physical fruit is born out of an intimate relationship between a man and a woman, spiritual children or spiritual fruit is born out of an intimate relationship between God and us. We could say it like this. Just like physical fruit is born out of an intimate relationship between a husband and his bride, Spiritual fruit is born out of an intimate relationship between a husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his bride, us, the church. Listen, the physical world was designed by God to teach us about the spiritual world, which would sometimes be hard to be understood. And, and, and Satan attacks us to keep us from that intimacy that this relationship with Christ in, was intended to have and to keep us from bearing fruit the way that we've been called to bear fruit. That's what God intended for us after salvation. You remember what the whole purpose of the armor of God was in Ephesians 6.11? The whole purpose of 
of putting on the whole armor of God. It was, verse 11 says, it was to put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, y'all, this verse is written to believers in Jesus Christ. It's written to those of us who have already been born again and we see the devil is still coming for us the wiles of the devil or the the are the are the attacks of the devil that's what those are he didn't stop our spiritual birth from happening but he, he's coming so he can spiritually debilitate us from ever having an intimate relationship with christ that bears fruit and if he can accomplish that y'all listen he still has a lot to gain because that message of the gospel may have been accepted by you, but it's also going to stop with you. And you may have escaped hell, but listen, no one else will as a result of your life. So the purpose of your life after your spiritual birth is wasted. The seed doesn't go any further because you don't reproduce. Satan swung and missed coming for the seed of the woman. He swung and he missed, and he wants to make sure now that Jesus' spiritual seed doesn't go any further. So Satan attacks the spiritual seed, and Satan says, I'm going to attack those that were left on this planet to have an intimate relationship with Christ and to bear fruit so that that seed doesn't go any further as a result of their life. Let me ask you. How well is Satan doing with that in your life? Listen, you may be sitting here and you're listening to this and you know good and well that though you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Satan has been at work in your life and has completely sidelined you in your relationship with him. For some of you, Satan is getting the victory in your life right now. If that's you, hey, Maybe because it's Christmas Eve, you're here, and maybe you really even haven't been a whole lot. Would you use today as a place and time in your life where you turn a corner and get back to where you once were in your walk with the Lord? Because regardless of where you've been or how long you've been there, listen, God wants you to come back. He wants you to come back and to make things right and get things right. He's full of grace, and he's plenteous and mercy and and God, God wants Christmas in 2023 to be memorable in your life because it's the time in your life where you turned a corner in your relationship with him and you got things back on track. Satan's coming for the spiritual seed of Jesus Christ and he's getting the victory in some of your lives and that needs to change this morning. So Satan attacked the seed of the woman and, and he failed and Jesus was born that Christmas day. But now Satan never stopped attacking that seed now he's coming after the spiritual seed believers in jesus christ but because but satan's plan of attack listen his plan of attack was never just to attack the seed of the woman and just to attack the spiritual seed though because for some of you in this room just like satan attempted to stop jesus physical birth from ever happening for some of you satan is attempting to stop your spiritual birth from ever happening and for some of you, he's not just attempting to do that. He has been very successful at doing that. 
If you aren't a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, I want you to be aware of how it is that Satan is actively at work in your life. Do you realize that? He is still attacking the seed, and Jesus describes this seed for us in a well-known parable that's oftentimes called the parable of the sower. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 5, would you listen closely? Jesus says in Luke chapter 8 and verse 5, Jesus says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Were you listening to that? Listen. In this passage, Jesus goes on to describe these other places and these other scenarios where seed can be sown and then what happens to that seed after it's sown in that particular place. But this is the one that I want you to see, and I really want you to pay close attention to it. This seed that falls by the wayside, and then it gets trodden down and eaten by the fowls. First... What do you think it is that the seed represents? Second, what does the seed falling by the wayside and being trodden down and eaten by birds represent? And we happen to know the answers to these questions. You're not going to get my opinion on it because Jesus doesn't even leave it up to our imagination to figure this thing out. A few verses later in the same chapter, Jesus says, beginning in verse 11, now the parable is this. Oh, don't you love it when he does that? That makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside, okay, what are they? Those that he, they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Listen. If the gospel contained in the word of God has been presented to you and you have never responded to it in faith, do you see what's going on? You're in a spiritual battle. You are under spiritual attack in your life. It's a battle and an attack. We can't see it with our physical eyes. It's it's an attack on the seed. The seed of the word of God, it's being sown in your life and the devil is working to snatch that seed out of your heart so that you won't believe and be saved. Listen, here's how it all works. John 1.1 teaches us that Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. So everything that's true of the word of God that we call the Bible, everything that's true of the word of God that we hold in our hands is true of the incarnate word of God or the word of God made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Everything that's true about Jesus is true of the Bible because he is the word. So listen, Satan was at work in the world to prevent the seed of the woman who was Jesus Christ from being born. So Satan was working to, present the, to prevent the word of God from accomplishing his purposes. And for those that don't believe, according to what Jesus teaches us in this parable, Satan is doing the same thing in your life. Satan's trying to prevent the seed of the word of God to, pro, to keep you from accomplishing his purposes. 
Satan is always after the seed of the word of God, no matter what form the seed is in. Whether it's the incarnate word of God, whether it's the written word of God, or whether it's the spiritual family of the word of God, Satan is on the attack. Satan's always coming after the seed. And and maybe Satan snatching up that seed, listen, maybe Satan snatching up that seed is part of the reason why some of you have never called on the name of Jesus to save you. Because many of you have heard the gospel. I venture to say that no one got in this room this morning that's never once heard it. There's there's nothing you don't understand intellectually about the gospel. There's nothing that doesn't make sense. In fact, it's the only thing that makes a bit of sense out of what our purpose is on this planet and how we got here and what we're doing here. But even though you've heard it some of you many times, you never humbled yourself before God and called on his name to be saved. Now listen, I'm forewarning you of something. The truth I'm sharing with you this morning and I'm about to continue sharing with you is truth that Satan will for sure be working to snatch from you when I'm done. And it's this. Picture this. Adam and Eve. Man, they're in the garden. What a beautiful sight. Adam and Eve, they don't have a sin nature. Everything is perfect, right? There's no sin. There's no death. Adam and Eve, they've got this beautiful relationship with God. They've got a, they've got a beautiful relationship with each other. Even the animals are living in perfect harmony together. God has given Adam and Eve one rule to follow. Eat, you can eat of all the trees in the garden in this beautiful existence that I've given you. Just stay away from that one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as many of you know, Satan shows up into the garden to again counter, immediately counter what God was doing. And he shows up and he tempts Eve to eat of that tree. She does. Adam's follows suit. And, and, and the decision is what ultimately plunges the world into sin. And just look around. You can see how things have progressed since then in the world. But we inherited that sin nature from Adam moving forward as a result of his sin. That's why Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That one man is Adam, and sin entered into the world as a result of the sin of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened was, because of Adam's sin, we then inherited the sin nature that was passed down to us from Adam, and we were born now with this natural bent and this natural inclination towards sin. And if you've never noticed that before, just have children and tell me if there's not a natural bent and an inclination towards sin. Right. And as a result of this, we have all sinned. Right. There's nobody who has achieved perfection. And and, and that's a massive problem because God is so holy that he can't coexist with sin. Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and that sin has caused us to fall short. We'll fall short of the glory of God. It's caused us to fall short of God's holiness. God's so holy, he can't be connected to sin in any way, shape, or form. 
And that goes for any sin, no matter how big we think it is or no no matter how small we think it is. It's all too big to be in the presence of a holy God. And because of that sin, listen, we had a major problem on our hands. Because that sin, because of God's holiness, that sin demanded a penalty. Sin can't go unchecked before a holy God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Adam, Adam, he passes down a sin nature to us, and now we've all sinned, and, and God is so holy that, that not only can he not coexist with sin, he's so holy that the sin demands a penalty. This verse and others we just looked at, it teaches us that that penalty is death. And listen, there, 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 was, there was no death prior to sin, but death came as a punishment for sin. But listen, it, it wasn't just a death as in a physical end to this existence that we're currently living in. No, it was death as in eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Oh my goodness, it, it, it's so important that we, that we understand that though our sin had separated us from a holy God and though our sin demanded a penalty before a holy God, it's so important that we understand that Jesus isn't just holy. Jesus is love, and he loves us so much that here we are this morning celebrating his birth because the reason that God took on flesh and the reason he humbled himself as a man was because of his love for us. He could have just stayed up there. It was a lot more comfortable up there, I guarantee you. And the reason that Jesus was born on this planet while he fought Satan every step of the way, the reason Jesus came and was born was because he loves you. He loves you so much that he was born into this world, and it was for a very specific purpose, and that purpose was to die. It was to die for you. You realize that's what he was doing hanging on that cross? He was paying for your sin. He was paying for all of our sin. That sin that we'd willfully committed that had separated us from God and it demanded a penalty Jesus was hanging on that cross to pay that penalty on our behalf it's a penalty we should have had to pay but God stepped in and he paid what we owed with his own blood oh but he didn't just die though did he no no he no he rose again he rose again in victory over sin the grave couldn't hold him And now God, he's paved the way back to have a relationship with him. And he's paved a path to eternal life. And here's how you obtain that, according to Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You're to confess the name of the Lord Jesus. You're to call on his name in faith, believing that he was God in human flesh, who died, was buried, and rose again, and you put your faith in his payment for you on the cross as atonement for your sins. It couldn't be good enough, so we had to put our faith in the one that was good enough. And listen, if you've heard that message before, and you've never responded to it as to be saved, 
right now, would you consider that maybe the reason you've never gotten saved is because Satan has been actively working in your life to steal the seed of the word of God from your heart after it's been sown? Would you be willing to consider that for just one minute, that that's the reason that's actually what's been going on in your life? The seed of the word of God gets sown, and the devil keeps on swooping in. And he's taking that word of God out of your heart, lest you should believe and be saved. Some of you may not realize that's what's been happening to you. And I'm just praying that maybe by me exposing that to you this morning, maybe by me exposing to you what's actually happening in your life, I'm praying that this time it'll be different. I'm praying that you won't allow the devil to come in and steal that seed that has been sown in your heart this morning. Respond while you can. Listen, Satan's coming for the seed. And he's taking no prisoners and he's wasting no time. Just like he did all through the years leading up to that first Christmas, he's always been after the seed. Listen, there's a lot going on this time of year, man. I I get it. Would you just stop right now, though, in all of the all before you get back into the busyness and before you get back to the family and before you're doing all that, would you take a second to make sure you're not missing what the whole point of all of this is all about? If you've never called on the name of Jesus to save you, will you take care of that before you leave? Don't go out the back door before you've dealt with that, man. Grab me, grab someone else. I don't care. I will stop whatever I'm doing to talk to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we celebrate this time of year. What an incredible thought that the God of the world came in a human body because of your love for us. That's an unbelievable thought, God. I thank you certainly not just for your birth, God, but I thank you for what you were born to do and what you came to do and what you did. Thank you for the victory that you have won in your life and the victory that that now gives us. God, I'm praying that if there are people in this room this morning who have never called on your name to be saved, God, I'm begging that today would be the day. Would you stir in their heart? Would you keep the devil at bay? He's seeking to snatch that seed right out of their heart. I'm praying that that wouldn't, I'm praying that wouldn't happen this morning. I pray Christmas 2023 would be a turning point in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.